Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Ladies and gentlemen, Avery's Sports Show is back on the air, and this time we're talking some CFL with Dave Dawson from Rouge Radio in Edmonton. Dave, how are you doing today, sir? Fantastic, uh, Avery. Thanks for having me on. Always a big fan of your show and your fashion. I really <laughs> enjoy uh, your hats and how you dress. I think there certainly are uh, a lot of people out there who carry the same sentiment. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You're too kind, sir. You're much too kind. Now we're entering week four. And there are some interesting teams on top of the divisions right now. You know, going into the season, I didn't expect to see Ottawa and Winnipeg leading the East and West. Did you, Dave? Yeah, you know, it's it's early in the season, and I think that um, the one thing that we did discuss in our CFL preview shows that we talked a lot about was, you know, the Red Blacks would be different. I think that they weren't going to be that team that were going to be the perennial doormat if you look at all the effort that uh, the organization put in going and finding receivers. Ernest Jackson, Mo Price, you know, bringing some of those guys in. Chris Williams coming back. Brad Sinopoli coming over, which, <clears throat> ironically, for whatever reason, he's uh, been able to find quite a few balls over the past couple of weeks. And Sinopoli's a good receiver, I get that. But Henry Burris has been able to spread the ball. And let's not forget, Avery, that Ottawa secondary last year actually was pretty good. They were just on the field for a very long time. The front seven is good. You know, they're down Travis Brown. I'm, I'm not overly surprised that they're 2-1, and one, but... It is the start of the season. As for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I really compare them a lot to the way the Eskimos were to start last year, where Mike Riley was coming on. He knew he'd be good. He started to come into his own. Eskimos' defense was good. You know, they're not the same team the Bombers are to the Eskimos, but I knew the Bombers wouldn't be as putrid as they were the year before. No, it's true. That's very true. You mentioned Henry Burris. I mean, he's having a great start to this season in a year where, because look at last year, he threw for an 11 touchdown pass. That's his career low since 1998, and already he has four. I mean, his game has returned, and at 40 years old, he's a new Damon Allen. He gets better with age, Dave. Yeah, it's it's remarkable, and I think that he's, he's still able to run, too. Let's not forget Henry Burris is using his legs as well. And one of the biggest things, you know, you hear a lot about Henry Burris when you hear when you, people mention the name that, you know, he's well-known for overthrowing receivers, good hang, bad hang, throwing picks. The thing about the receiving core that Ottawa went out and got, they said, okay, Henry Burris is the kind of guy that's going to lead you three, four yards, and he wants you to go under and get it, right? So the talent they have at receiver right now, they're able to be to fit into the kind of game that Henry Burris throws, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why he has been successful, is he's able to air it out. You don't see Siobhan Walker getting used as much because you know in a Henry Burris offense, He's going to use six or seven receivers, and they're all going to be—they're uh, all going to be pretty good. 
No, they will be. It will be. And you mentioned, you know, look, look at Ottawa. I mean, this is a team last year where if Ottawa scored more than 10 points in a game, you're saying, good for you. You guys scored more than 10 in a game. They're actually getting points now on the road and at home now. It's like to see Ottawa actually, you know, getting points on the board in this league now as a second-year franchise. Maybe it's great for the league. The parity is great. Nobody wants to see a league the way it started last year with all four teams in the East being perennial doormats. You know, Hamilton had an excuse with their franchise quarterback going down with injury, but nobody wants to see that. Everybody's got a loss after three weeks. You know, even though the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are 0-3, they're the highest scoring team in the CFL at 0-3. So it's an exciting CFL. People want to see that despite the flags. It's true. It's true. You mentioned, you know, they're 0-3. It's funny because Saskatchewan, they're probably the best 0-3 team in league history because they're getting production from uh, Kevin Glenn is filling in. Ryan Smith has been playing well. And Jerome Messam at running back has been killing it. So to see this team with zero wins, they really should be at least a two-win team or even have one win. But they just have, but the breaks haven't gone their way so far in the West, Dave. Yeah, it's easy to say that, you know, people in Saskatchewan. We just had Jamie and I from... Uh, the uh, Green Zone in, in Regina on a podcast last night, and he, we asked him about that. You know, people say they could be 2-1, and one, right? Well, if you let's look back to last year. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders at 8-2, and two, people said, well, Darian Durant went down, the season went away. Yeah, how many wins last year came against East Division teams that were terrible? Three-quarters of Saskatchewan's yep. schedule last year was against the East. How did they finish the year? They had two wins since 8-2 and two last year. One of them was against an Edmonton Eskimos team, which nobody started that game anyway, and Mike Riley got injured, and the second was an overtime win against Ottawa. They've had two wins since they were 8-2 and two last year, so you very well could say, yeah, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders could be a better team. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers could have made the playoffs last year if worked for a couple blown calls in games against the Riders. So either or, I think the important thing to take away from Saskatchewan is they can't hold leads. They no. can't hold leads. Their secondary is too physical and taking too many penalties that they can't hold leads. So therefore, John Chick, Alex Hall, Trey George aren't getting enough pressure on the quarterback, which is why they've only had five sacks so far in three games. So I think that'll change this weekend, though. I think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you know, is very well. You could say they could be 2-1 and one or 3-0. Oh. Fact of the matter is they blow leads when the game is on the line. They can't stop leads in the fourth quarter. They can't protect them. That's why they're 0-3. But I think uh, they are an exciting 0-3 team. You're right. They're a fun team to watch. They sling it out. They run the ball, you know. They're not a perennial doormat that you want to change the channel. When the Riders are playing, you want to watch their games. It's true. You want to watch your games, Dave. And one of the teams they lost to, the Toronto Argonauts, Trevor Harris has surprised me a lot. And Toronto's year is really funny. They're not playing in Toronto because of Pan Am games. The first game of the year was a home game in Fort Mac. And they're 2-1. They're and I mean, they're getting it done. And they may not return to Toronto until 2025. <laughs> or maybe even later than that, you know. The Toronto Argonauts, to me, are the feel-good story of the CFL this year. You know, it's hard to hate them. Coming into the season, you know, we picked them to be a team that wouldn't be that competitive, right? You look at their secondary, question marks. No real veterans in the secondary receivers. Chad Owens, can he stay healthy? We already know Andre Dury's gone for the year. Yeah. Most of us saw that coming. Brandon Whitaker, can he stay healthy? You know, they're a big question mark. They're the team that you love to cheer for. The Toronto Argonauts, you know, Trevor Harris... When Ricky Ray comes back, boy, do they ever have a quarterback controversy on their hands. You know, they're a fun team to watch. I love watching Trevor Harris. You know, he's, uh, the way he slings the ball, the way he's able to, to you know, avoid uh, escaping, contain, and be able to create plays with his legs. He's a fun guy to watch. And I find myself cheering for the Toronto Argonauts. They're, 
I, I find myself actually having a hard time not cheering uh, cheering against any team in the CFL this year. I mean, every game has been exciting so far for the most part. It has been. You know what? But Ricky Ray is healthy again. If you're Scott Milanovic, Dave, do you tell Ricky Ray this is Trevor Harris's team now, or do you go back to the veteran and future Hall of Famer in Ricky Ray in your mind? Uh, the guys on TSN debut, uh, d- debated this quite a bit last weekend, and I think that if the Toronto Argonauts in this year want to be competitive and want to win the Grey Cup, it's been proven. You need two quarterbacks to win a Grey Cup in the CFL. Much like in the NHL, you need two goaltenders. You need two quarterbacks. Look at Calgary. You know, look at Saskatchewan. They, you need to be competitive. Edmonton with two quarterbacks. Yes. So, I think if Ricky Ray can accept that role, if he can embrace it and go, yeah, you know, Trevor Harris, let's just ride this hand out until he's hot. You know, Ricky Ray's seen that before. Jason Moss. Exactly. Right? He's seen that before. So I, I think you're right. I think you keep Ricky Ray around. You know, you mentioned the two quarterbacks, Edmonton, right now. And Edmonton, Mike Riley goes down. He's out for 10 to 12 weeks. Matt Nichols comes in. Would you say they're the, they're the most stable tandem outside of um, Toronto and Harris and Ricky Ray? Because when Mike Riley comes back, Edmonton is going to be a dangerous team in Western Division, as we saw with their dominant win against Ottawa last week. I think stable means that they use their quarterbacks. I would argue that Ottawa probably has the most stable one-two punch, but they're not using Thomas DeMarco. So you're right. I think Edmonton is up there. Um, you know, in watching the two quarterbacks are very, very different. They're very different skill sets. Mike Riley tends to be focused on the slot back position and his legs. And he's a big guy, right? So he's able to command... He has that commanding presence in the pocket where Matt Nichols, he's more your prototypical quarterback of first, second, third read. You know, he's going to spread the ball around. He'll use Kenny Stafford. He's going to give it to Lawrence. You know, you saw quite a few passes to Kuhorn last weekend. Bowman will see some balls. So, you know, Nichols is a different kind of quarterback. And, you know, I'm still waiting to see more from Matt Nichols. I, I do think that Edmonton is blessed with a deep receiving core. They have a good defense who's going to allow your offense to be on the field for a little bit longer. So I want to see two, three more weeks of Matt Nichols doing this. And then, yeah, if Matt Nichols can continue to excel at the performance that he did last week, those Edmonton Eskimos are going to be scary. They will be. You know, it's funny senior transformation last week, two weeks ago against the Argonauts. It's clearly underestimated Toronto. They didn't respect Trevor Harris. They lose that game. I don't know what Chris Jones told his D, but they stepped up big in week three against Ottawa because they didn't let the Red Blacks do anything offensively in that game. Yeah, Avery, I think they were just drinking their Kool-Aid, to be honest, in week <laughs> one. They walked in and they, they're like, let's, let's look. They're, they're basically just looking at the roster going, Front seven, lethal. Secondary, ridiculous. Receiving core, one of the best in the leagues. And, and, and one of the best uh, receiving cores in the league. So I think they were just drinking their own Kool-Aid. They walked in and said, Toronto, we don't know what to expect from them. This is our house. We're going to come beat you. And the Argos played a great game. I think it's just as much on the shoulders of the Argos to say, you scouted that well as to the Eskimos who didn't perform. But you're right. You know, Edmonton, the secondary, did step up really well. You know, Ojo with a nice pick six there and a ball that really shouldn't have been thrown to begin with. Aaron Grimes, you got a lot of guys in that uh, secondary who are going to be stepping up. And, and I I really like, you know, Pat Watkins now that he's back as well. I'm curious to see how they're going to raise it continually to the next level because I think we all expected the Eskimos secondary to be leading the league in picks, to be leading the league, you know, in, uh, in time on the field, which come on to and out, right? So I think that... I honestly think that I'd like to see the Eskimos raise the bar even more. I'm expecting the Eskimos to be winning games by 20, 30 points week in and week out. But I, I think the Ottawa Red Blacks would have something to say about that on Friday night. They're going to have to. You know, it's funny, Dave, that game. I found a stat. The last time an Ottawa free CFL team beat an Edmonton club in, in Edmonton, 1983. 
Last time any Ottawa team won in Edmonton, beat the Re- the Rough Riders, Renegades, the Red Blacks. Like that's insane. Yeah, let's not forget that the uh, the Red Blacks have expanded 19 times since then. So, <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's a great stat. Hey, Commonwealth Saskatchewan fans know it's a burial ground for them as well, right? So it's a tough place to play. That was before they had the old turf and the grass there as well, and just the atmosphere. You know, it's, it is a tough place to play. The Eskimos have been a commanding presence in the 2000s. You know, the 13 Grey Cups uh, overall. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see. If they can continue to succeed, and I want to see, you know, guys step up in the receiving core as well. I mean, we know what a Darius Bowman can do with mm-hmm. him being banged up, and he is playing this weekend, but we'll see his continual health. I want to see different guys see the ball. I love Kenny Stafford. You know, I definitely don't shy away from from Nate Kuhorn getting passes. He's in better shape this year. He's better and better. He was in great shape last year. He's in excellent shape this year. I think he's he's due for a breakout year in his contract season as well. So I want to see the Eskimos use more receivers, and I'm also curious to see how Shakir Bell is going to be at running back too. Edmonton, they lost Fred Stamps, and yet they bring in Kenny Stafford. They're building around the receiving core that they have. It's funny how Edmonton isn't missing a beat in the Western Division right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's not surprising at all with how well that team has been built to win. And I think last year, you know, if you look at definitely not questioning Chris Jones' uh, decision-making, but putting Mike Riley in that game against Saskatchewan in a nothing game, you know, maybe if you had him 100% healthy in that game against Calgary, it could have been a different result, right? I'm not, you, you, you really don't know going forward, but the Edmonton Eskimos are built to win. The Edmonton Eskimos are, are a frustrating team. You know, when, when they walk on field and they play Edmonton Eskimo football, they're up there with the best in the CFL. They're a frustrating defense. They have good special teams. Their offensive line has got better. They have good running backs. You know, I just I want to see them spread the ball around more. You look at the way a lot of other teams are laid out in the CFL. Calgary, Bo Levi Mitchell uses all of his receivers. The BC Lions, Travis Lula uses his receivers. You go down the list, they spread the ball around a lot of their receivers. So Darius Bowman does make plays. Let's not deny that. He led the CFL in receiving yards last year for a reason. But in saying that, you have great playmakers. I want to see them use them more. And I think that could be an advantage to them when you get against a team like Saskatchewan, when they start to figure the rules out, a physical secondary that they could be battling late in the year, you know, you blanket a Darius Bowman, they get into trouble. So, but I think the Edmonton Eskimos are, are, in my opinion, overall still the team to beat, even though they're only one and one. They lost in week one. In my opinion, they're still a team to beat aside from Hamilton probably in the CFL. I'd agree with you, but one thing I will admit this, you know, I, I am someone who loves the Eskimos, but I know eventually... Come playoff time, they're going to face Calgary. And Calgary just come in and blown them out in the future. Time and time again. That last year in the regular season. Couldn't get the number, couldn't do it in the playoffs. You're right. Calgary is that, uh, that horse <laughs> you got to get beyond, <laughs> right? So I think when it comes to the Calgary Stampeders this year, you know, you look at the way they played last year. Yes, they went 15-3 and three and, they, and they won the Great Cup. They didn't really convince me in a lot of the wins. They just found ways to win. You know, if John Cornish continually continually isn't able to have John Cornish games, isn't able to eclipse the 100-yard marker, if teams can shut down John Cornish, as great as this Calgary team is, I'm looking at an implode somewhere. Like, I honestly am. You know, Jeff Jeff Fuller can't stay healthy. They have great horses. Let, like, let's not, let's not, I'm not saying the Calgary Stampeders aren't good. Hey, look at their defense, right? But, you know, there are a few injuries away where last year was depth, Charleston Hughes, Juwan Simpson, mm-hmm. if some of those start to pile up the offensive line, it's only a matter of time. And an offensive line that can't open holes, well, who are they opening holes for? John Cornish. 
John Cornish, if he gets a hit to the head, he's got concussion issues and he can't get 100-yard games. You know what Johnny Cornish is like when he's not getting the ball? He's a little bit of Andrew Harris. He's some angry. Yeah. John Cornish wants him some John Cornish time. So if 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 the Calgary Stampeders offensive line can't open holes for John Cornish, I think there could be problems. And that's when the Edmonton Eskimos will benefit because that front four, front seven can put pressure on the Calgary Stampeders. And we did see that in week one when the Hamilton Ticats were there. That is very true. That is very true. You know, and two more questions for you, Dave. I know in Montreal, their team, one and two, they're struggling. The East is no longer, you know, Montreal's playground. They're going with Rakeem Cato and Brandon Bridge. Do you think if Rakeem Cato struggles again, Montreal turns to Bridge to start a game? You know what? Your guess is as good as mine of Tom Higgins. Rakeem Cato was listed as number four on the depth chart in training camp. Brandon Bridge, we thought, was going to start that game that Rakeem Cato did and came in and blew the Stampeders away, right? So, I mean, I... Your guess is as good as mine as what's going to happen in Montreal. I'd love to see Brandon Bridge. You and I are both Canadians. Yeah. I want to see Canadian quarterbacks start in the CFL. I think we all do. I think it's great for the league. You know, but what's also great for the league is young quarterbacks excelling. You know, a story like Rakeem Cato's, it's hard to not love that guy. If you saw that on TSN last weekend, some of the, the stuff that he went through in his life with his mom. I mean, you cheer for a guy like that. But I think Rakeem Cato, if he does struggle this weekend... I'd have a hard time going to Brandon Bridge next game because they're playing the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah. That secondary is incredible. So I think, you know, it might not be a bad thing to bring Brandon Bridge in a little bit and give him some give him some reps. And what's wrong with having two young quarterbacks to start that are both able to sling the ball and are both exciting quarterbacks? There's nothing wrong with that for my mind. No, not at all. It'd be great to see. It's just funny because you see Montreal, I mentioned, like, they were always a team where, no question about it, you go into Montreal, it's going to be a battle when they had, you know, Calvillo, Ben Cahoon, and their secondary would kill you. It's just funny. It's interesting to see Montreal having to find ways to win because they know that Eastern Division is no longer a place they can go and bring in 12, 13 wins. I mean, last year, they came close to missing the whole playoffs. You, you tell me this isn't a more exciting CFL. You know, we haven't even talked about flags yet, and I'm not sure if you want to ask about that at all, but, you know, we've taken a lot of... We've opened up a lot of conversations on Twitter about the flags and how people are saying, oh, the game's so hard to watch because of the flags. And I said, whoa, let's just hang on a sec. You're telling me all the interceptions for touchdowns, scoring is up, you know, quarterbacks are, are more exciting, yeah. younger quarterbacks are developing, there's great running running backs out there, there's great receivers, great catches, S.J. Green, Ryan Smith. You're telling me this CFL is hard to watch? Every team is competitive. There's no doormats. No. Like we said, even though the Riders are 0-3, you know, I I love the fact that Montreal's clawing and battling in games. I think you would agree as well. You know, I, I this this is a great product to watch. So if if hey, if each and every game teams are clawing to win and no one's coming in and intimidating teams and winning by fifty points, like a Don Matthews 10 ten player blitz, you know, if <laughs> if you don't get that kind of stuff anymore, hey man. I'm okay with this CFL. I love this product. I think that, you know, uh, Jeffrey Orridge has done a great job succeeding Mark Cohan. Man, am I excited about the future for this league. It's great. I mean, looking even the kicker's days, extra points are no longer automatic. I think the mark is, what, 80% for extra points? Guys are missing extra points left, right, and center in this league now. And I love it. Because for, forever, the Rouge, the single point, has been the laughing stock of, of uh, football purists, right? Those who enjoy the NFL and look, whoa, the Canadian Football League, they have the Rouge. Well, yeah, now you kick a single point from 35 yards. That kind of takes away the 
the mockery of the Rouge. Sure, you, you still get a single point when you miss a field goal, etc., whatever. And this is Tony's point from our podcast, by the way, so I'll, I'll give him credit for that. So, But, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that it now forces you to get two points because it's not that throwaway point that, oh, well, here's just that point to convert. Like, why even, why not make a touchdown seven points? Why kick a gimme field goal from five yards out? Like, what's the point? So I love it. I love the new rules, and I love the direction the league is going. Question for you, yes or no? Should they have brought in three-point conversion from about ten yards out? Should they have tried that, do you think? I think it would have been kind of cool. A little bit gimmicky, but it would have been, I think, exciting. If it- you know what? I'm, I'm all about the CFL trying things to try, experimenting to bring in the younger the younger viewer right yeah. it's no secret the nfl's got great traction in the football community people say well the nfl's not the cfl i have a problem with the cfl well really actually what people do have is a problem with canada because where do you put 32 teams in canada is there gonna be one in brandon manitoba <laughs> one in prince albert swift current like where are you gonna put 32 teams in canada you're yeah, not you can't so people really have a problem canada as opposed they have a problem with the nfl so when it comes to that rule avery I love the fact that the CFL is experimenting. They're saying, okay, you know, we have a good product, but we want to bring in younger viewers. We have Twitter followers in New Hampshire for the Rouge Radio podcast, guys that are playing fantasy football going, I love this product. This is great. I love Canadian football. So I think the CFL is doing great things. So when it comes to the three-point uh, three conversion, maybe been a little, a little bit extreme. It almost reminds me a couple years ago in the NHL experiment with doing those those oval nets. Yes. You know, to... You know, like, to me, that's it's just a little far. Where I, I get where they're coming from, three point conversion, sure, to make higher scoring games, but I think it's just a little far. I, mean, I do agree with you in the fact that the CFL they have to target the younger audience because people who are my age, people who are twenty two, twenty one, to them the CFL is you know it's the old man's league, it's boring. I think get they can get people who are my age to watch the game. That's better because you don't need to attract people who are in their forties and fifties. They're already hooked. You got to hook the people who are under thirty to your league. And you, you know what? CFL needs to do right now is they need to grab a hold of some of what is going on in the CFL and do a, a better job of advertising that. Look at this CFL podcast community. It's absolutely exploded in the last year. There are podcasts everywhere, right? I mean, our our Twitter followers are through the roof. We're, we're grateful for how we've been able to expand that broadcast uh, community. We have followers in the, in the States and everything as well. So I think what the CFL needs to do is do a better job of cheerleading. They have a great product. You know, those people who have said, like you said, the CFL is an old man's league. Well, they haven't watched games, and they're not really, you know, there's fantasy football now for the CFL. There's, it's such a great product. They do a great job. You know, I was in uh, Saskatchewan and in Winnipeg, and I was able to catch some games over the past month. You know, the Bombers have done a great job creating this tailgate game day atmosphere. I think it's fantastic. The Calgary Stampeders doing it. I'm going to Calgary this Saturday for the game. So I really think what the CFL needs to do is sell itself better advertise itself to the younger community, go into schools and say, hey, here's what we're doing. You can grab all of this podcast. You can do this. You know, and I, I think they do have a great product. I think they're, the NFL is just above and beyond, a step above everybody when it comes to marketing. They are, they are the echelon. They are the bar to be set in professional sports for how they brag about themselves because, oh, boy, are they good at it. They are. You know, one thing, you know, boy, what the CFL should do, they really, I think they really, really, really need, Dave, a video game. They really yeah. need to, to get a video game. Somehow, I mean, EA Sports, they said they, mil- they built a working demo of a CFL game. Spend the money and do it because a lot of kids who are growing up, they learn about Madden through uh, Xbox games, FIFA. Yep. You need a, a CFL game on a platform somewhere somehow to get kids hooked as well. 
You're totally right. Somebody out there with some money and some brains is just a matter of doing it. I think that's been that 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 remedy, you know, that that cure for the for the deadly disease, so to speak, right? It's just sitting there, like it's just sitting on a counter, and someone said, "Oh, that's a neat idea. I'm just going to look at that and let it gather dust on it. I'm not going to pick it up though, because that's like a million bucks waiting to grab on. But I'm just, just going to leave that there. It's the remedy. The CFL needs a video game, and I think that's how they grab younger viewers, able to grasp the American audience and go, "Oh, this is three down football. This is actually kind of cool." Like. Four downs is kind of a blown down. Who wants to, you know, second and ten? Oh, boy, that's exciting. I've yeah. two downs to do anything. Right in the CFL, you're second and ten. You're like, okay, do I air it out? Do I screen pass for seven yards? I mean, we're in panic mode. We need a, we need a first down right away. So, you know, I think if, if, they, if they're able to create that video game to bring in that American audience, you know, I think the CFL, like I said, People, Avery, you mentioned that people think of it as an old man's game. This is the best time for the league right now. Every game is broadcast on TV. They have audiences everywhere. There are fans everywhere. The time is now, CFL. You have a great product, and I think it's time to get a CFL video game out. 100% Dave and Dave. Before I let you go, where can we find Rouge Radio, sir, online? Yeah, thanks, Avery. So uh, Robert Dalton, Tony Allen, and myself, uh, three of us uh, host of the Rouge Radio at Rouge Radio Online. We also are big involved in CFL fantasy football at CFL yeah, CFL Fantasy RR, the Fantasy Insider account. We're partnered up with Fantasy.ca as well. So really appreciate your time. You can follow myself at Dave Dawson 7 or at uh, Tony at a regular Tony or at Rouge Daltz, the three of us hosts. And we definitely don't shy away from uh, pulling punches. We're much like yourself. We're not afraid <laughs> to throw it out there. And we sometimes get accused of having a hate on for the green and white. But I think the big difference is... We don't sugarcoat. We just call it how it is. So if you're if you're a fan of that, and I know uh, I'm a fan of yours, and there are many fans of your podcast, uh, you would probably enjoy our show as well. Wonderful. Dave, would you do it again sometime before the year's over? Thank you for so much for coming on to Avery Sports Show, my man. Anytime, my friend.